0: Youth ministry can always use some big ideas Ideas that are faithful to relational ministry But also provide some crazy, fun, and life-giving resources for youth leaders Youth in leadership and the church Now that's religion This is the Big Ideas in Youth Ministry podcast Your source for information, discussion, and feedback In youth ministry of all shapes and sizes now, here are your hosts, Michelle Thomas Bush and Cliff Haddox. at the Big Ideas and Youth Ministry Conference. Um, I, guys, I got to tell you, I just we just got done with this morning's fearless dialogues, and I was fortunate that both both Charles uh, Charles P- Patterson, Patterson Peterson, <laughs> Charles Peterson, and Greg Ellison uh, agreed to take just a few moments to talk a little bit about what we experienced this morning guys, uh, I was, I found myself crying. I found myself questioning. I found myself trying to, uh, make sense of connection. How, what was the original catalyst that started this process?
1: So, um, fearless dialogues was born out of, uh, some research that I did, uh, many years ago as a a doctoral student at Princeton Theological Seminary uh, about African-American young men who felt unseen and unheard. And uh, I wrote uh, a book called Cut Dead But Still Alive, Caring for African-American Young Men. The central thesis of that book is that um, people who feel unseen and unheard, it affects how they think about uh, their future how they interact with the people around them, and finally, how they conceive of themselves. And so uh, that book came out just about six weeks before the Zimmerman verdict in 2013, and I was invited to do several um, interviews online, uh, I guess, uh, with the NPR and, uh, you know, as well as with the, you know, local newscast and even some um, newspapers, and uh, 13 interviews in about six days. And I got really fed up, Cliff, because uh, the format of many of the radio shows was, Greg, okay, we're going to give you 20 seconds to kind of provide your input, and then somebody else is going to rebut you in uh, the following 20 seconds. And I, I would get about 15 seconds into my statement, and someone would start yelling at me. And I was like, I don't even talk to people that I don't like this way. There has to be a healthier model of conversation. And so uh, I was on uh, WABE, our local NPR station, and uh, the Zimmerman verdict had just been announced. And I said, Hey, some of you all are going to make the decision to march to the state capitol and um, with your hoodies and your Skittles and your uh, iced teas and, and bring attention to the degradation of black life. And if that is your choice, we support it. But some of you will choose another path and you want to do something and participate in another way, come to Emory university. Mm. And um, the challenge cliff was that I didn't, you know, share that with my Dean (laughs) and and 400 people showed up Uh. And it was a very eclectic uh, group of unlikely partners. Mm-hmm. And we talked for 90 minutes, and the people didn't want to leave. And so we recognized back in July of 2000, 2013 that we'd stumbled into something. Uh, and so since then, we have really worked to develop um, a curriculum uh, more than a curriculum, a way of being, a methodology, uh, a praxis of creating space uh for unlikely partners to engage in hard heartfelt conversations and so um what you see today is a derivation of of that uh response to a social need.
0: Mm-hmm. How how has the process evolved in that time? Like I, when you describe this gathering that night at Emory, did you have a plan or was it just we're going to be intentional like what what was the structure of that first night
1: well some of the the basic building blocks are still there Mm -hmm. uh we uh invited people to choose gift badges as we did uh for you today uh we were uh we extended radical hospitality i mean it was a rainy day in atlanta uh but yet and still we greeted people in the parking lot uh, we at that particular session we had live music, and uh, and we had a, um, a commissioned art exhibit. Um, we're a bit more mobile now, uh, so we don't ordinarily use live music. But um, there the the key elements of music and radical hospitality, um, and engaging both theory. Uh, but, through a very kind of interactive uh medium and and then you know uh, i don 't think it was noticeable a bit, but uh Charles is our newest recruit, mm. and um this is charles 's first day uh actually as an animator, we call ourselves animators because unlike facilitators who point and say okay it 's your turn to talk it's your turn now um animators bring conversations to life and uh charles has been in training for six eight months now and um i don't think anybody would have guessed he he came out like a vet i would never have guessed that (laughs) and 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 not just
0: in how you shared your stories but the ways in which the the two of you played off of each other Mm -hmm. the ways in which the stories fit into each other the ways that that the the echoing of statements and going yeah. back and forth and the way that that rhythm flowed, it really brought us all on a journey with you, both to, to stories that you were bringing from your own experience, but also then redirecting us back to where our story was going to go. So first of all, Charles, well done. I never <laughs> would have guessed that we were your maiden voyage. Um, I can only imagine how it's going to go from here. But So then I'll ask you, what was it like to... Be a part of facilitating then for a group and get to, after witnessing, be part of the not necessarily steering but the guiding. What was it like for you?
2: Um, and so, I, not to correct you, Cliff, but you said facilitator. Oh, sorry, so I'm, I'm sorry, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> you, animator, I, animator, animator. Sure that animator. This is unlike any other experience in that we're animators, yeah, but it's the experience is different every single time. Hmm. I've seen this in training. I've seen this, um, this, these dialogues, I've seen them done with a diverse group of people on several different occasions. And regardless of how systematic the approach is, no experience is like the other. And so it's always a journey. Just like you said, the most amazing thing for you when you walked in was not knowing what to expect. Mm -hmm. We share that when we enter the space (laughs) with (laughs) (laughs) you. We don't know what to expect. Yeah. We know what we would like to guide you through and what experience experiments we would like for you to participate in. Mm. But there's nothing that prepares us for what's going to happen when you actually experiment. Similar to how Greg talked about the chemistry lab. Things literally could blow up. Mm. Nothing blew up today. They, but they have. But they, but they have. <laughs> and so for me, it was an amazing experience, and it, and it will be each and every time.
0: Well, I mean, you're... You do take people to a very vulnerable space that a lot of us are uncomfortable with. I mean, specifically for myself, I mean, and I'm, I'm a very extroverted, love to be around people, but some of the things that you did to bring about an intimate connection between us were still kind of like, is this really happening? Is this, are we really doing this here? And I could, yeah, I could see how that granted, we're all youth people, so we're used to like, oh, let's experiment. But there's still a few people I saw who kind of like, I need to check out for a moment. Right. They were not ready to go to that space. And we all get along. So I can only imagine when you do bring a group that might be slightly contentious together mm. and then force them to see each other to be the child of God that we, we all believe them to be. Right. But that might not always be connected there. So yeah, I could see where that could be a tense moment or two. But does what what are the magical you know holy spirit moments that have occurred there in the in the blow up uh you
1: know charles and i were talking about uh the beauty of moving with the river and um You know, we think God has a plan, and we believe that God's plan will be fulfilled. And sometimes if you're moving with the river, you hit a rock. But we're still in the river, and we're moving. And um, what you don't, uh, what you didn't see today, Cliff, is um, before you entered the room, we prayed over every chair. Um. You know, we're people of faith, and even when we're working in corporate environments, we believe that God is moving. And so um, there may be uh, some really rough currents, but we're still in the river. And what we are trying to model is that even when a complex moment is invited into the space, that we still want to give the same kind of care to see that person fully, even if their point of view is askew from the other people in the room. And that says that we are actually modeling the theory that we're living out, that we're not going to cut you dead regardless of how asinine many people believe what you said was stated. And so... We, we create an environment, you know, psychologists would call this a holding environment, um, where we can negotiate through these complexities. But the challenge is far too often in our society, there aren't spaces where people can voice their most authentic truth. And um, you cannot begin to uncover the root of the problem and work towards change until you really see and hear what people are truly feeling. So many people live with a mask on. And so, you know, one thing, and I don't think Charles has has experienced it just yet, but it's coming, um, is, you know, one way that people seek to reclaim power in these spaces that we create is to attack us and their belief is that if you can cut the legs beneath the person who's animating you can regain control in the space because i didn't want to be vulnerable in the first place you know or else i wanted to dominate the conversation in my own way but we still greet them with generosity hospitality and kindness And one thing that you may have noticed, um, and one way that we do this is we shift from the cognitive to the affective, right? From what people think to what they feel. And this is very intentional, Cliff, because uh, our belief in asking people to remember a time when your friends, your family members, your coworkers, acted as though you did not exist to remember that and not imagine it. The the rationale behind that is it's important for you to own your own invisibility because if you can begin to recognize a time in your life when you did not feel seen or heard it expands your capacity to empathize for other people who feel that way and so we're inviting people into not triggered moments of trauma, but to remember such that they could care for the people around them in a different way. And one, one last story, and uh, we didn't eat lunch. So, oh, okay. Well, uh, we got to get you fed. <laughs> <Yeah, well, laughs> one, one last. Story. You've been through a lot. <laughs> one, one last story, Cliff. We were working with this corporate group, and it was a board of trustees. And there was an older white gentleman in the room. And he was in his mid-70s. And um, it was only an hour-long session. And Kenya, this was funny, he he frowned the first 50 minutes, Cliff. Mm -hmm. Just absolutely, like, not frowned, he scowled. Like, just, yeah, a very unpleasant looking face. (laughs) And um, about 50 minutes in, he said, I got something to say. And I was like, well, we've been waiting on you. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, he's, he said, I'm a Titan of industry. Like, who describes themselves that way? He's, I'm a Titan of industry and I'm 76. And I'm realizing that when I speak, people don't jump as quickly as they used to. Do you think I'm becoming invisible? Is this what those young men in Ferguson feel like? And at that moment, right, I realized that we had pricked his subconscious. Mm. And this 76-year-old multimillionaire is now developing a capacity of empathy to see people who are completely different from him because now he recognizes that there's something in me that is not fully acknowledged. And who knows, maybe that will affect his hiring practices with one young black man. Mm. We don't know, but we flowing with the river.
0: And with that, I will ask If folks want to get in touch with Fearless Dialogues to make it part of something they're doing somewhere, where should they go? Who should they call?
1: Uh, So we got to give a shout-out to our leaders. Uh, Our our, um, executive director is Dr. Georgette Legister. Uh, She goes by JoJo. Uh, And uh, our operations director is Ms. Jasmine Martin, and our office manager is Angie Johnson. Uh, you can reach us uh, at FearlessDialogues.com. That's with an S, FearlessDialogues, plural, dot com. Um, and there is a link if you would like for us to uh, come and start a dialogue in your community. You just click on the Start a Dialogue link. Uh, Cliff, has been a pleasure mm. um, for us
2: to join you here today. You got something, Charles? I I would simply hope that I'm not out of order when I say this, but the experience that you had inside of the lab lab today was out of the genius of Dr. Gregory Ellison, Mm. out of a book that's entitled Fearless Dialogues. And so it won't scratch the surface as far as giving you the experience of a dialogue, but at least you'll have an opportunity to see into the genius and see these stories on pen and paper and it'll give you an opportunity in your respective communities, whatever they may be, to at least begin the necessary conversation before, until you have the opportunity to experience a dialogue live. My well, man.
0: Well, much like you said today, we will cut it off there and leave them, <laughs> leave them continuing Absolutely. that conversation out there. Yeah. And we thank you all. I thank you both so much for taking a few minutes to talk. To Word up, Khalil. This has been the Big Ideas in Youth Ministry podcast. Join us in the Big Ideas and Youth Ministry Facebook group to be part of the ongoing conversation.